Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast. <laughs> well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt. We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships. If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place. Here we go. Hi, Matt. Do we have a listener question this week? Hi, Sherry. We sure do. <laughs> Would you like to hear it? No, I just thought I would ask. Good, well, of course, God. I want to hear it. Just in case people think we are well prepared when we hit the play button or record button, we are not. Um, yeah, so if you too would like to ask a listener question, I forget to say this at the end of the question, so I want to say it now. Okay. If you too would like to ask a listener question, just send an email to matt at soberandunashamed.com. Again, this is not going to be a clinical answer from a professional because we are anything but. This is just going to be... This is life a, lessons. Like how, life learned. Like, like not to do. We're like your parents. Yeah, this, We're like your we'll parents. We'll tell you what not to do. We're like your parents. Yeah. You know, we won't... But not arrogant We're parents. not old enough to be all their parents. Yeah, but we're not going to be arrogant parents. We're going to try not to be. That's easier for me than you. The being arrogant, not the not being arrogant. Let's just do the question. So... Listener question, your guest from episode 181 last week, Amber Hollingsworth, talked about being positive and encouraging when the addict is making progress and being neutral rather than mean or negative or angry when the addict is struggling. Mm. How was Sherry able to be neutral (laughs) and then also be kind when y'all were in the throes of it? And the listener did use the word y'all, you know, Y apostrophe. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So not trying to tip, we're not trying to tip people off to where our listener questions come from, but this one came from a state that says y'all and I love it too. I love that. I I love that. Well, maybe they just picked up on some Amber. Oh, Amber was some y'all-y. Yeah. She was y'all-y too. I love her. I I love love her. her. Well, I, oh wow. Yeah. I'm sure that that. That probably really like was like a gut punch almost to to some of us who are the sober spouse or supporting family member to hear be positive when things are going well because you're like, it's fucking what you should have been doing. I'm not giving you credit for being a normal human functioning being. Yeah, the, so the, that, the going well is yeah. just, just meeting the minimum standards yeah. of... Yeah. occupying a human yeah body. and then also then it kind of makes you think like oh god that's like a bait that's like a child i have to treat you like a child oh good for you you did your laundry yay you didn't drink this weekend you know like now i have to be your parent that's hard it's hard but like being removed from it and had i gotten help for myself and support i can see how that's positive because i have my own struggles and it is much better when you're being nice to me when I'm struggling while I'm trying to work through something and if I've done something well with it. Now, I hate compliments, so I don't like it when you do that. But it is it does have a positive effect on me because I think if you, you wouldn't be able to say it as a lie. It would be a positive effect and it's on the relationship. Like, it's an extension of the relationship, not just, oh, Matt's giving me accolades because I made progress, you know, holding my tongue or, like, talking about a hard subject. There have been times where I've given you accolades because I wanted to get something out of you. Yeah. Like, 
we had been maybe not full on arguing, but we had been kind of short with each other. And I recognized that and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll compliment something and then things will get back on track. And you see right through that every single time. Yeah. And so, or, or I compliment you too, too shortly after we've had an alcoholic blow up where I've called you a flaming bitch or something. And so the compliment doesn't sit very well because you're still remembering the awful thing that I said. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Is that yeah. one of the reasons that you struggle to take on compliments? Um, yeah, possibly. But I always just, you know, I'm pessimistic. And I think people just try to manipulate others to get what they well, want. That's what from I just said. So, so, yeah. So, well, I'm just making sure that it's very crystal clear. Yeah. I think, that I am like that, too. Yeah. I Yeah. But I think that's why I'm sad. Like, in, like, looking back and being further away from the situation. And, you know, we let a lot of crap built and a lot of angry words fly for many many years i mean heck even before we were married we were having pretty nasty arguments that should have been a red flag so i think that if it's something that can happen earlier in the relationship as the alcohol starts to really grip it you know that i i don't know i don't want to say like new new alcohol relationships might benefit from that a little bit benefit from what from like being more like oh gosh you know it was really nice to have this weekend with you being sober oh yeah you know you know what one of the things that i wonder about is you know is there some uniqueness to you like okay so yes we want to talk about how we navigated this whole thing active addiction early sobriety longer term stuff but is there some uniqueness to you or to me, but let's talk about you for now, that made your navigation of it doable or possible that if somebody doesn't share your traits, it's going to make it harder. So that's not a very positive spin to put on this. But the the thing I'm specifically thinking about is, and I, ju- I just, this just kind of came to me, but you are very, very, very empathetic, but you are selectively empathetic we had we had a discussion just this was it this morning or last night i can't remember about somebody who is struggling in a relationship and you were so mad at the spouse like venomously mad not venomous i just was mad well i heard the words that came out of your mouth and but so the point is you have so much empathy for your friend that you are almost taking on some of the frustration and anger that your friend feels, which is what empathy is all about, right? Yeah. And I couldn't see why her spouse couldn't handle some of the things or even be approached about some of the things. And that's what got me mad. That's yeah. That's what made me really upset and mad. That's that's why I say, I think you're selectively empathetic. So in, in our case, I think it worked to our advantage, but so when I would say, you know, I just want to drink so bad, Sherry, because those would be the kinds of things I would say, I'm, I'm, I, this is really hard for me not to drink. And I know now <laughs> in your mind, you're thinking that sounds so stupid. What do you yeah. mean? It's hard not to drink. You just don't do it. And I know that you understand brain chemistry now and you understand that there's more to it, but I still don't, I, I still feel like that's a part of just who you are as a human. Like I do those had- basic things to take care of yourself and you're not you're not one to cut someone some slack if they can't do 
the basic things to take care of themselves. Is that fair? I suppose, yeah. I mean, not not yeah. because they're you know if they've had an accident or they're yeah. they've they're entering old age or whatever, then you're very empathetic. But if someone's in the prime of their life and they can't brush their teeth, you're not going to spend a lot of time being like, oh, it's too bad you can't. Like we need to get you into the bathroom to brush your teeth. Oh, because they like they're too drunk. Well, they just don't care about themselves. Oh, okay, yeah. not just not just hygiene is a big yeah aspect. Yeah, of, I mean that's that edge honestly that I was so attracted to you. Yeah, about I guess because you've got that kind of I'm not going to take any shit from anybody kind of a attitude, and it 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 impacted our relationship when it came to me getting sober. I I knew there were things I could come, I could come and I could explain. I just read about neurotransmitters in brain chemistry and how they get hijacked by alcohol. I knew I could explain that to you. And I knew that depending on what else was going on in your life, you may or may not listen attentively. But I knew you were going to at least let me get that out and nod your head and feign interest, right? But if I was to come to you and say, you know, I just, I want to drink so bad. I just, you know, I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of sympathy, that's just not who you are. Because I, for one, I don't understand it. And I think, God, if you want it so bad, then make it happen. You know, so I guess I would be like, don't you have like all this stuff right in front of you that shows you why you shouldn't drink? Like, why can you just dismiss that and be so selfish and and want to like fight everything you've got to not want to drink? Yeah. Um, like our family, like... When you say all this stuff in front of you, like yeah. you've got a career, let's not lose that. Exactly, you've got a family, you've got a, family, you've got a home, you've got yeah, you've got friends, like all that stuff. So, yeah. so yeah, that would be hard for me, and also it's hard for me, like to, and I know I had to practice this, like to like not, you know, when I say this is how I feel, and you would get hurt by it. Why, you know, like. It was hard for me to ever kind of muster up the courage to say something to you. But then when I did, and then it would be your reaction on it and never once considering how it impacts me and what the the statement that I just laid out to you was, it, it became that selfishness again. Like, oh, well, I told you how I'm feeling and I feel like this, but then we spun it on you you know, and that didn't happen all the time. I'm not saying it did, but like spun it on you. And then I'd be like, well, there we go again. It's just all about you. You know, everyone, so I believe. shut me down. Yeah, I believe all humans are self-interested. I believe all humans take the input from the world around them and run it through their own filter. How's this going to impact me? How can I participate in this? I think we're all self-centered. But I think I am a particularly adept example at being self-centered. So, um, yeah, that's not a good thing. That's, you're looking at me quizzically. Yeah. yeah. That's, I'm taking a shot at myself. I, I, know. I, I, I do it more than most and that's not a good character. Yeah. That's like a character flaw. But I also think there's a lot of dudes out there that do that, that take whatever the input is, whatever the thing they're seeing, whatever you bring to me, you want to talk to me about something, come and talk to me about it and I will tell you how it's going to impact me. Yeah. More so than listen to how it's impacting you. That's a selfishness. And it was wor- way, way, way worse in addiction. Yeah, right? so I shut down. And so the thought of probably giving you some positive reinforcement about a weekend where you didn't drink or a night where we went out. And I, mean, I don't think you ever club. did. 
I, I'm sure I didn't. I don't give compliments because I don't like compliments, so I never gave compliments. I didn't like, think of it that way. I mean, maybe that's it. But to me, it was it was like you said, it was the bare minimum. Like she's not going to compliment me for being a civil human. Like that's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah, not over drinking or sticking now, to two beers really, or you know being the designated driver. Or when, when I would get like a promotion at work and you still wouldn't compliment me, that would piss me off. Yeah, but when you but wouldn't think, compliment the bare minimum, I just never expected that from you. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that says anything about me. I, it's other than, you know, I had been conditioned. I had learned that's not something Sherry's going to compliment. She's not going to, you know, if I pick up the kids after school, like she's you not were supposed be like, to great job, not forgetting our children and drinking the afternoon away. Like that's never going to happen. Yeah. So that was kind of, that was helpful, actually. I mean, when we talk about detachment and how detachment is the only thing that has a chance of working, if you are the loved one of an alcoholic and you want to have an impact on your alcoholic, you can't beg them to go to rehab, you can't beg them to get sober, none of that will work. But detaching has a chance of working. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. You were kind of always partially detached in your own way because you didn't, you didn't compliment me for, you know, basic human decency. And you still don't, which is fine. I don't need compliments because I, you know, don't show up late to work or, I don't know, whatever other thing. I don't need a compliment when I unload the dishwasher. I don't expect it. But you don't give that because it's just not in you. And that's why I'm saying, what I'm trying to get to is, you know, I get accused a lot of being kind of a unicorn in that I can talk about my feelings and my emotions. And I I understand what you as the spouse of an alcoholic have been through and how it's capital T trauma. And it's a big deal. And you need room to recover. And a lot of the alcoholics out there don't understand that their spouse has been through a lot and don't understand that their spouse needs a lot of room to recover. And so... You know, I spend a lot of time trying to convey that message to other alcoholics and have it ignored. And I hear from a lot of other spouses, well, you know, I don't think my husband could ever hear that message. So I get a, I, I get kind of drawn into that a lot. You're unique. But the point I'm trying to make is I think you, Sherry, are unique too. That's not to say that people can't aspire to have some of your traits that are very, very useful when it comes to navigating alcoholism. Yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah, and then it just kind of made me um, pause for a moment and think, like, how through our relationship recovery, or not, you know, not recovery, rebuild, like, building. Like, we didn't have a good one from the beginning. And we I didn't, like how you've started and to we say didn't, that. And we didn't appreciate each other for our differences. And, and, like, you are okay with me not giving you a compliment about being functional in our house and being a partner, a true partner. You describe you know? it so much better than me. And I love that. So you're like, okay, well, because like that's the bare minimum she was expecting of me. Right. Because you and I have talked about the expectations I had on you before we got in the relationship, what was the attraction, those sort of things. Right. So you're totally okay with that. And I'm okay with the fact that you've always been a talker. You've always shared your feelings. You have a feeling that happens every 10 seconds, and most of the time it changes, and you share with me, and I become appreciative of that, and that's not, you know... Part of why I became an alcoholic. Chaotic mind syndrome. Exactly. But I can appreciate that now and be like, God, he... 
I, you know, I appreciate the fact that my brain doesn't work like that, but I can appreciate him that he is willing to share all that with me instead of drink it away and hide it away and, you know, try to suppress it with a toxin. So I think... Do you ever feel sorry for the other people that I spend a lot of time with out in the big bad world? <laughs> like, do they have to just fill your role? You mean all your friends? Am I like, just talk... That's not fair. I'm No, I'm just saying because they're your friends, so they understand you and they appreciate it. Yeah. But, yeah, mostly co-workers who are also my friends. Co-workers. People friends, I interact yeah. with. Yeah, but Do you ever feel sorry for them? Like, oh my God, I wonder if he's just spewing all this stuff at them constantly Sometimes well. I think that you might be a bit of an inspiration to them that, wow, I really do have a lot of thoughts and and maybe <laughs> I'll share them. You know? I mean, I think that you allow people to express themselves because you're so expressive. And in, for this to turn into a compliment. I know, I know. God, you say I never give you compliments, <laughs> right? So anyhow. I definitely stifle it to some degree. When I'm, I'm sure you do because you are I aware. I save it all up for you. You are aware. I've got all these thoughts. I can't wait to get home and <laughs> lay them all in shape. I have to write them down because I can't remember more than three things at a time. She'll be but, unwinding, watching a sitcom, making dinner, and all she wants me to do is come in and talk over whatever TV show she's watching yes, or well, podcast she's listening are, to. We do have some role reversal situations in our relationship. But again, I think the appreciation of one another's differences makes that a little easier. Now, in the question, going back to that... Let's go back to the It talks question. about... She talked about being neutral instead of like silent treatment, closing off, all that stuff. Instead of the And I feel like I lived in neutral neutral for like years. And then the only time I came out of neutral was when there was an argument and you were pushing my buttons. I was gonna say whether or not you lived in negativity for a long time too. Yeah, so it was but it was really easy because I was not getting any help for myself. Oh yeah, I'm not like I know. I'm just saying. I think saying... I kept it very surface level with you. I didn't go deep because I had been burned you by know, me, by you. Yeah, you know, like if there was anything that I could share with you, then it became an argument, and then it was thrown back in my face, and blah blah blah. So I think we lived at neutral, and then you'd be like, "Hmm, I haven't shown. She hasn't shown a feeling in a while." And then the only feeling that I could really express was negativity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is good. Let's, let's re kind of iterate what Amber's point was or her suggestion was or what she suggests to her clients. And she is a professional counselor. If the alcoholic, if you're the spouse and the alcoholic is behaving well and is making progress in sobriety, you should positively reinforce that. And that was something that in our situation just didn't come naturally to you and you didn't do a lot of that. I mean, I, I, if I, if I start, stopped drinking and didn't talk about it with you, which was rare, you, you definitely didn't. I mean, I assumed that you were noticing that I wasn't drinking, but you definitely didn't say, hey, notice you, have, you didn't drink this weekend. That's great. Or, boy, this was a fun weekend with the kids. And uh, I attribute some of that to the fact that you didn't drink. Well done. And because I... You never said that. Right. And I think she didn't really mention when it was tied in with this piece, if I'm remembering correctly from the podcast, that it had to do with self-esteem. I didn't realize how much of it was self-esteem. Oh, I'm not taking a shot at I, you. No, I'm not. I'm not saying you're taking any shots at me. I'm saying, like, had I known 
You would have done it differently? I would have done things differently. Yeah. I would have been more verbal because then well, only okay. well into your alcoholism did we realize that love languages. I love Amber and I thought she gave some great advice last week, but I've got to react to that. If I had gone two days without drinking and you had said, yay, Matt, you went two days without drinking, I would have felt condescended. Maybe it's just because I've been, I've known you for so well, long and so out of character for you. Yeah. But I would have been like, you know, stop treating me like a child. That's how I would have felt. But if I would have said, hey, that was really fun doing whatever, going to the zoo with the kids. It was really calm. Then I would have been like, what does she want? Where This is a loaded compliment. And I would have been like, oh, she's just referring to the fact that I didn't find the beer vendor at the zoo. Which, by the way, I have done before. Because it's all over the place, yeah. Well, it wasn't back then. I remember it took me like 20 minutes to find beer and I felt terrible leaving the family. Anyway, getting off topic. But, yeah, a compliment... Okay, so is it because a compliment would have been out of character for you? Or is it... I, I just think that's my personality. I would have felt condescended to had you... But does it have to be a positive comment? Well, let's hope not. Could it be a positive reaction and it could be something that's a little bit more your style? So that, you okay. have to figure out what works for you and your spouse. Great point. I would have been much... If you had come up to me and like... Giving you a hug. Hugged me. Kiss or on hung, the cheek. Held my arm as we were walking t- through the zoo. Snuggled up to me. You're right. I would have been very receptive to that. Now, would I have gone too far and been like, oh, this means Sherry wants some? Probably. Let's go over. Be- no. That's that's a negative. That's a negative overreaction. But I still would have really enjoyed the contact, much more so than the verbal. That's so interesting. Because I, I would have seen right through the verbal and been like, you're just, you're just trying to make me feel, you're trying to positively reinforce a behavior with Saturated your Saturated in sarcasm. That I, <laughs> well, right, I would have that said I haven't decided, like I haven't decided <laughs> I'm sticking to sobriety. I'm just not drinking at the moment. And your compliment makes me want to drink so bad. Yeah. Because then what, I've brought that do. into, oh, you didn't drink. So then you're like like a teenager, right? Like, oh, now I'm, I'm going to do something that I'm not supposed to do. I'll because, show you. Yeah. So maybe, it, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a comment. It could be whatever fits your relationship and your personality style. It would have been a little bit out of character for me to, like, have probably snuggled into you. But I could also see me, like, like nudging you or something. And, like, if we were at the zoo and the kids did something funny and, like, like holding on to you when I laughed... Because, yeah. you know, our kids, they do silly things, and it made me laugh. Yeah. So, like, being something like, like that, I think that is a positive. Okay, so positively reinforcing good be, good sober progress, sober behavior, um, was one side of it. Then the other side of it was, rather than be negative when the person is drinking, be neutral. And... Again, you and I didn't have any of this knowledge. We didn't know Amber. We didn't have anyone telling us we didn't the know right I way to handle help. this. We, oh, we knew yeah. nothing. Um, but I can specifically remember times when... Because here's the thing about my relapses. I relapsed for 10 years. I went back and forth for 10 years. Sobriety, sober, relapse, sober, relapse. But my relapses weren't the kind that we... I, I hear most often about are you know, cycles where I go two weeks without drinking... And then I can't stand it anymore and the pressure builds and I'm under too much stress and I just can't take it and I drink for a day or I drink for a weekend and then I'm back sober again. The whole time knowing that sobriety is still the goal. I only did that once 
in all of those 10 years. All the rest of it for me was I have decided in my logical brain that I'm going to be sober. And then I have, again, decided in my logical brain, not my amygdala, in my prefrontal cortex, I have weighed the pros and cons, and I have decided that I'm going to drink again. And Sherry, I'm telling you, because it's going to piss you off, and I want to forewarn you before you see the beer, that I'm going to the store and I'm going to buy the beer. And often, I did that at the most inopportune times, like right before we were going to see friends and family. And that was the reason I decided to drink because I couldn't handle the social stress of being a non-drinker in front of a bunch of drinkers. So very wimpy reasons, very um, you know, low, low, low self-esteem kind of reasons. Mm-hmm. I can't handle being a non-drinker in front of all the drinkers. But so when I would do that to you and say, Sherry, I've decided I'm going to drink again, not sneaking around hiding it, not just a 24-hour blip, but I'm going to drink again. I'm going to, here are the new rules that I'm putting around my drinking. This is the plan going forward for the rest of my life is the idea. Um, you'd get super mad. Mm-hmm. I think always. Can you ever remember a time when you handled that neutrally or was it always really, really negative? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it happened a lot. So I don't, I don't know. I'm sure that a lot of times it was, like, right in front of people. So, you know, I couldn't really lose my shit then. And then I would be fuming, and it would be... I would be neutral to you around people. Um, And then as the disease progressed, I could pull people aside that I knew, and, and I could talk to them about it, or I would make shots at you, like, and, you know, be nasty about you to them yeah oh he thinks he's so funny god he's so he's such a dick when he drinks those sort of comments so i think it was you know a time where i didn't go okay great honey we're gonna try this yeah. good on you okay we're gonna try this now this I, is gonna be I your new like plan maybe well, that's good maybe really early on if i would try to put rules around my drinking, you maybe were supportive the first because, time. Yeah, or like two. sometimes you would you say, didn't know any better either, Yeah, right? you would be like, okay, I'm just going to socially drink. And I'm like, good, because that's how everybody should do it. Yeah. Oh, that you was know? always your. Like, you shouldn't like, be. You never understood drinking alone. Yeah, I never understood drinking alone. And I never understood, like, the amount of intoxication you would try to get drinking alone or the everyday sort of thing. Yeah. That was very early on. So I was like, what do you mean you have a cocktail after work every day? I don't care what your dad does. He's, you know, who cares? This is you. P- you. People don't drink like this. You drink when you're around friends or when you go out. That's mm-hmm. when you drink. Mm-hmm. You don't have a bunch of liquor in your house unless you're having people over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess like, because early on there would be, you know, before the addiction took over, there was a lot of moderating and trying to make rules so maybe I was more positive, be like, oh, you're going to drink like a normal human being. So the listener's question was, how was Sherry able to be neutral and then also be kind when y'all were in the throes of it? And the answer is, you weren't able to do either of those things. So it's great advice. And I think Amber, it, she's a professional and it's advice that we support and endorse. But it just wasn't our path. Because, yeah, we weren't. I mean, and that's why we have this podcast, and that's why Amber has her work and her, her put the YouTube, shovel down YouTube yeah channel. channel. So, so people that don't know will know. So, yeah, I think I think like I said, I, I lived in a lot of neutral state. 
I wasn't ever going to tell you anything super duper important unless it was going to impact you. I never told you how I felt about things. I never shared a lot of concerns or joys because I didn't know how you were going to react. And that was training that I learned early on in the relationship. You know, if, if somebody was, if I did something wrong and it gave a bad reaction from, you know, and there was a bad reaction from someone else and I told you, yeah, I totally missed the meeting at work and somebody got shitty. You got all mad at that person when I'm like, I'm just telling you what happened. You know, this was like, well, sometimes I would day. get mad at that person. Sometimes I get mad at you yeah. for missing so the meeting. So then I you, never knew you know, where I was it was unpredictable. Gonna, yeah, right? so I never knew where it was going to come from. So I lived in a neutral state. I didn't share a whole lot with you. So I think that's what she means, like neutral, like just keep it like, okay, so the kids have this going on this week. Let's do our plan for that. You know? Okay, but so you were negative when so I, was I was drinking and you were neutral when I wasn't drinking. Right, that's what I, yeah. Yeah. And then you would be like, oh, well, I haven't, you know, she hasn't shared anything with me and maybe you were subconsciously doing this. I don't know. But I felt like you were like, well, there's not been any emotion from her, good or bad. So let's start pushing some buttons and see what we can come up with. I definitely never, <laughs> ever did that consciously. I never, I mean, I would get hurt by the lack of emotion for sure. But I never said, let's, you know, I'm, she's... She's neutral or to me, you know, especially toward the end of my active addiction, that would be what I would categorize as detachment. Right. When you had just lost interest in me. I was exhausted and I had detached. Yeah. That, and that had an impact on me um, and I reacted to it, but I never thought, oh, you know, Sherry is, she's not being lovey. She's not talking to talking, you know, gregariously to me. Um, she's not interested in what I have to say either, so I'm going to make her mad. Like that just that just didn't doesn't even compute to say that out loud to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I might have thought, how, I did sometimes think, how can I get her feeling better about me? But I never thought I'm going to piss her off because she's already grumpy toward me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was never like a, you know, there's a spark. Let's burn it down. I mean, did did I do things that burned it down? Well, and a I lot I did, but I never consciously set out to do that. And I don't necessarily mean like you were trying to like create a negative reaction. Just some, you know, because it could be anything that could like could have spun me out of control because I was so hurt and angry and unhappy. So it could have been like, hey, why don't we go, you know, have a romantic evening after the kids go to bed or something. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? I can't see you. know. So, I mean, it wasn't always you trying to get a negative reaction out of me just for some attention. It was, could be something like, hey, I want to bring this up to you and I want to talk to you about, you know, maybe why we're not getting along. And then I'm like, I'll tell you why. And then I, you know, then I'm the one that lights the match. So, yeah, yeah I think I think the point Amber's making in the part where it relates to our experience is there's no value in being um, overtly negative. There's no value for the loved one of the alcoholic in screaming and yelling. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but 
you know, it certainly happened in our case, but you never yelled at me enough that I decided to become sober. Yeah. You never yelled at me enough that I felt guilty the next day. I mean, actually it would cloud the issue, right? If we had a really bad fight and I was in a semi blackout state of intoxication, I often would remember only the things that you had said nasty to me. And so maybe the next day after when I was sober, I'd be mad at you still because I would be blaming the fight on you. And then maybe the day after that, I would start to say, oh, maybe I had something to do with this too. And then maybe on day three, I would start to apologize and recognize the fact that my overconsumption is what caused the problem to begin with. Right. So I'm looking like I'm... I'm the one who's losing it because I am the one who's losing it because right. I'm so full of rage and anger. But that's a natural then, reaction to the alcohol. Exactly. So that's where we've said that alcohol changes both exactly. people in the relationship. Not saying I wouldn't have lipped off. I wouldn't have, you know, but I could have not lost my temper quite as much mm-hmm. um, if the alcohol hadn't changed me. But then I also feel bad about myself for my behavior and becoming unhinged. So then, you know, I'm beating myself up. Like, why did I do that? Now he's mad at me. He has, you know, he know he's blaming me for it, but it's not me. And I can't explain how it's not me. Because yeah. I didn't realize the alcohol was affecting me like that. But how do you explain that to people that don't understand? So then, so then it just is this negativity between us and the relationship. And then it would be often, I hate our marriage. Mm-hmm. That's how you would feel. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think for those that are just, you know, dealing with this. Yeah. Like I didn't yell. There was no yelling that would make you quit drinking. It right. would just make you drink more. Yeah. The, the, and, and it also... You know, when you were in that really negative state, it was, and this is something that we didn't know until just the last couple of years, it was having a really negative impact on you physically and emotionally. It was, I mean, your nervous system was out of whack. When you're constantly on eggshells, walking on eggshells, worried that you're going to say something that's going to set me off or worried that you're going to say something that's going to induce me to drink extra more than I or or otherwise would have that's that's not a healthy state to be walking on eggshells and not be able to relax that is terrible for your nervous system and then when you know it, we would trip the trip wire and we'd be off to the races yelling and screaming and fighting even whisper fighting while the kids were awake or whisper fighting while the kids were trying to sleep all of that has an equally negative impact on your biology and and your your emotions and your brain as well because you're going to this awful place this fight or flight place and you're just doing it all the time and and listen I didn't drink to the point where we were fighting all the time but you're doing it every couple of weeks and it's not healthy it's not healthy so the negativity is not going to convince me to stop drinking it can and often did convince me to drink more. Yeah. And it's not going to do anything healthy for you either. So the advice that Amber's giving about neutrality in a bad situation, I mean, to, to me, I, I, 
I don't know that I'd use the word neutral so much as I would say my advice would be to detach, to have boundaries in place such as, and this is not what we did, but looking back with, you know, pretty, I think, clear headed and clear eyed on what really happened for us and what might have helped to to have boundaries in place. Like, listen, if you're going to drink, I'm not going to be around you. Now, I'm one of those hard-headed people where if you had said, you have to get out if you drink, I would have gone and gotten a copy of the mortgage and showed you my name on it and said, I'm not sure on what footing you are making that claim that I have to leave when I'm drinking. Alcohol is legal in this country and my name's on the mortgage. And that would have been the end of that conversation. I mean, you might have, I don't, I mean, you never went there because you knew, right? You knew I was an asshole. You knew knew that was going to happen. Yeah. But... But so boundary setting is not necessarily you kicking your husband out. I mean, if you if he'll go, great. Um, boundary setting is more, you know, you making the decision, Sherry. I'm not going to be around alcohol. And so if you're going to drink, I'm out of here, which isn't fair. And I will you know, be the first one to say that isn't fair. But it's it is effective for someone like me. I don't want to see my wife leave. I don't want to see my wife sleep in you know, with a friend at a friend's house or get in a hotel. Like none of that is okay because I want the secret kept within our walls and I don't want to spend money. So none of that is, that would have, that would have, I mean, I would have gone ape shit, wouldn't I? I mean, yeah. I just would have gone crazy. Yeah. But having, having those boundaries around what you're willing to tolerate, you know, we know a lot of people who sleep in a separate bedroom and it starts out as, you snore a lot and the fact is probably you snore a lot because you've been drinking because intoxication causes a lot of snoring. Um, but so I'm going to sleep in a different room and then it just becomes more, gosh, my nervous system is in a better spot when I'm sleeping in a different room than when I'm in the same room with you. I'm going to keep going with this. But that boundary setting and attachment is kind of what I find to be an effective real life manifestation of the word neutral because you and I just don't have any experience with neutral as a reaction to negative behavior, my negative behavior. Um, you were angry when I was behaving badly until you didn't care and then you were detached. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, let's talk. Sorry. Did you, I was just going to say maybe because you were, a person who, you know, if I had set a boundary about I'm not going to be around alcohol anymore and then I would have packed up the kids and gone to a hotel and you would have gone ape shit, that wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened in our house. So being neutral and modifying my behavior and my reaction, that would be a boundary for yeah, me. Yeah, I guess I'm just, I guess we're using different words to say the same thing. Yeah. So like right. that, I mean, that would be... Me not engaging with you. Yeah. And oftentimes I didn't. We had a family room that was in our basement where you did most of your drinking. Or on the back porch when it was sunny and it didn't, you know. And I would not go to those places. So I guess I had a little bit of boundaries within myself because I just didn't want to be around you. You know, I hadn't really thought it out or hadn't called it a boundary but that was, in a way, me being neutral. So I guess when I said I lived in a little bit of a neutral state in the relationship, yeah. and then whenever it got heated, then it was arguing. You know, oftentimes I 
kick myself for saying, God, why didn't I just keep my mouth shut and let him rant and rave and get his little feelings out? Because, you know, I'm condescending when I use his little feelings. Um, and then things could have blown over. And then I wouldn't have felt bad about my reaction and, and, and getting sucked in to it. Because that's oftentimes I felt really upset with myself for getting sucked in is how I felt to an argument. Um, yeah, but think of the many ways that humans naturally react negatively to stimulus. Like if, let's say, you know, you're, you're, let's say one of our kids is playing with one of their friends and their friend slaps them. What's our, what's our kid going to do? Slap them back, right? Or cry. Or cry, right. But those, yeah, both. So, I mean, I just think we're expecting too much of the loved ones who have are new to this and don't have the resources and the knowledge to expect. I mean, I think neutrality is great advice from a professional counselor, right? That's great. But you have to hear from the professional counselor to get that, that advice. Yeah. So I don't think we can beat ourselves up when your initial reaction to gaslighting by an alcoholic is to get out the flamethrower and, yeah. and and react negatively because <laughs> that's the natural human reaction. Yeah, and I I understand that is the natural human reaction. I think that if I had known that I could have implemented it more. And there was times like when I had talked to my mom and she would be like, "Just let him rant. Just just bite your lip." Bite your tongue, whatever it is, you know, and but don't react. But with all due respect to your mother, her relationship with her alcoholic did not end. It didn't end well, and so I think it was hard for you to take advice yeah. from her about well, managing and I just, the alcoholic. I just never, I never really worked at it either, because it would be work. It would be work to sit there and and take it. Let's let's transition. I want to bring one more topic in. One more angle on this same topic in uh, silent treatment. Um, I think we can universally agree that the silent treatment is toxic. It's, it's passive aggressive, but it's combative. It's not, it's not good. And the silent treatment can come from either side of it. Often the alcoholic decides I have been so, um, you know, abused or Berated. disrespected or whatever by my sober spouse that I am just going to, I'm not going to talk to him. I'm going to, I'm going to go to a hotel or I'm going to disappear or I'm going to, or I'll live in the same house, but I'm not going to utter a word. And, and that's very toxic. I think that's very obviously toxic. That's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is if you're the loved one and you're trying to reach this neutrality, you're, you're, Spouse has been sober for some period of time and they've started drinking again and I'm trying not to negatively react. How am I supposed to be neutral or detached, to use that term? How am I supposed to follow my boundaries without just giving my alcoholic the silent treatment? Maybe I, has, as the loved one, have experienced that at the hands of the drinker and I know it feels bad, so I don't want to give that same treatment to my drinker. Now... I've never been silent a day in your life. So I don't think, I don't know that we have a ton of personal experience, but I know it's something that is out there a lot. What is your, 
Do you have a reaction to that? Did you ever consider, I'm just not going to talk, I'm not going to say a single word to him? Well, that's where I guess when I said earlier in the podcast, when I said feel like you just wanted to get some sort of reaction, Mm -hmm. whether it would be on a subconscious level or or conscious level. Mm -hmm. Because there were times that I just tried to be like, "Mm mm-hmm, you know, I didn't... You know, I didn't want to engage in whatever you were talking about. I I answered very, as much as I could be with, without giving off the, give without giving anything away. Because the kids, we have four of them, and they were running around the house. And so there was no, like, silent treatment that could happen. But there were often times where I did work really hard to just stay silent to whatever it was you were talking to me about. And I would engage as little as possible. Um, so it was a little bit more than being neutral. It was me being like, just shut the fuck up, Sherry, shut the fuck up. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. And I would like have that mantra in my head. Just let him talk. Let him talk. Let him talk. Like those things. Um, oh, and you know, and also with, like, so it was more of a withholding. Yeah. Um, of feelings and opinions and whatever. So that was about as close as I got to a silent treatment. I've never had that in a relationship. Yeah, you and I... Whether it's parents or or friends or whatever. You and I have a very good friend that, I mean, it's been 25 years ago now, had that as part of his first marriage. They would... He and his wife could literally cohabitate the same house for a week or two weeks and not say a single word to each other. They both... And that's a... That's like a toxic behavior that... It's an... Yeah. I mean, yeah. when he... Emotionally when the, abusive. When the divorce happened, yeah, mostly... But I think they were doing it to each other. Mm-hmm. When the divorce happened, he would explain that to me. That was something I couldn't relate to. And I would say, yeah, that's a huge red flag. Like, that's that's not how humans treat each other. But what we've come to find out is it's still a huge red flag and it's still toxic behavior and still emotionally abusive. But it's not rare. Like, mm-hmm. that happens out there. Yeah. And I mean, and just so, think about, like, society, I, like, would, I just want to say, like, society would, like, before, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at yeah. all. Those sort of comments, bite your tongue, you know, turn the other cheek, those sort of things have been brought out into society for good behavior patterns, but they really are not a good behavior. I could tell when you were biting your tongue. I could tell <laughs> when you were detached and disengaged and didn't give a shit anymore. I could tell all of that. And it had a huge impact on me, and it was an important impact. It's part of the reason I got sober, was I could tell I was losing you. But I but I never worried that it was going to turn into this passive-aggressive, I'm, you know, I never said to you, for instance, Sherry, um, hey, can you hand me that uh, box that's right in front of you that I can't reach because you're standing in front of it, and had you just ignore the request. Yeah. I never said to you, hey, our... Uh, is one of the kids at at uh, you know play practice and had you ignore the question? Right. It never. I it mean, never yes, there were times where you weren't going to go anywhere emotional. You weren't going to share, you know, any thoughts about what we should do to fix things or where we're going in the future. Like you weren't going to have any of those conversations. I could pick up on that, but you were never just so like like as though I didn't. I was dead, and I. Wasn't making sounds. You never, you never act like that. Neither did I. Yeah. Yeah. So that's tough. 
And I think that's another category. I think you said it right. It's emotionally abusive. That's another category of not okay behavior, just not one that we have experienced. And it is not neutrality. It's not the same thing. Right. That, that, that really Neutrality is like treatment. answering the question the most efficient, you know. Efficient I look at way. That's good. An efficient way without triggering any sort of emotional response or engaging further into the conversation. Yeah. That's where I feel like neutrality is. And I don't necessarily... I, Neutrality, early detachment, semi-detachment, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's kind of in that same same category. So to our listener question, we've kind of answered the question with a question. Is neutrality the same thing as detachment? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll have to have Amber back on and talk some more. But it's similar. See, I think it's there, definitely... Yeah. I think there are levels. Yeah. For me, I... Yeah. Yeah. Levels. That's levels. good. That's good. Well, hey, thanks for sharing your experience as it relates to this. I guess the whole episode basically is this listener question. Well, it was a lot I knew there was some meat on that bone. Well, that, you know, the podcast with Amber, I think probably there were a lot of things that could be pulled out of that that are questions or, or things that we didn't know because we didn't have a professional in our lives early on. While we were doing this that we have maybe not covered. Yep. And now we're blessed to have all these people around as professional and fellow amateurs trying to figure it out and navigate it together. Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources. If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org. If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, we're ready for you at shoutsobriety.org. No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go to soberevolution.org. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast. <laughs>